the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Right here, right now. This is New Generation Declassified, and you're listening to it all new. New Generation Declassified here exclusively on the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling Podcasting Empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, but every single week I sit down and I go back in time and I talk about those years of the World Wrestling Federation, 93 to 97 ish. Uh, this week, no different, but in the seat, uh, somebody's got a, a very interesting story to tell. Now, he did do a very comprehensive interview with John of the two-man power trip a few months ago when uh, around the time the book came out. We'll talk about the book in a minute. Uh, but I'm joined by the great uh, New Jersey wrestling legend, of course, of the famous Candido family, Johnny Candido. What's up, Chad? How's it going? It's going pretty good, buddy. It's good to uh, to get you on. Uh, you came on with me and Francine a couple months ago. You did a, the long, comprehensive uh, interview with John about the book and everything in between. This is a little more, uh, you know, specific in terms of the dates and the the time for your brother Chris. Uh, but most importantly, uh, how's everything going with you, my man? Yeah, everything's going great. You know, um, uh, you know, summertime in the Jersey Shore always rules. You know, <laughs> I can see the tan, just so everybody can. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's been it's been a fun a fun time so far. And as far as the the early nineties, I remember it like, you know, the, that time period, I remember it great. Cause I was like, you know, like either like just getting out of high school. I'm, I'm sorry, just eighth grade, just going into high school. So it's like, you know, before I, you know, was getting hit in the head with chairs and taking gimmicks and stuff. So my memory is very fresh about that, that time. It's an interesting time because, you know, I think we're around the same age. We are coming off that massive, Hulkamania, WWF, you know, the icon era, I call it, you know, the Federation years, whatever you want to say. But the new generation for guys of our age, it's kind of like, you know, our more formative years because we were kind of figuring out, did we like wrestling more to stay with it? Because a lot of people stepped out during this time frame. And yeah, and, years down the road. And, and for me, it was like, I became from like a consumer being up in my brother's room watching it to like watching him do it. You know, for the most part, I, you know, he did Indies and Smoky Mountain and all that, but it was like, you know, it was pretty, uh, you know, like, like he went from living at home and then he wasn't anymore. And then it was on TV and it was like a, a very quick, like transition. I remember, you know, right. right. And you guys, you ate, slept and breathed pro wrestling. And especially, you know, I grew up in the same area as you. WWF was our main number one thing. WWF was everywhere in the Jersey, New York metropolitan area. Oh, absolutely. That was all. That was all that was there. Free and, and I, I saw somebody tweeted a picture of Demolition. They were my favorite tag team for some reason. I freaking love Demolition. But uh yeah, WWF that was the that was that was the place, you know. And, and no shortage of it. I mean, they were doing shows at, you know, Rumson High School or they were in uh, Red Bank Regional High School. They were everywhere. Hey, well, you literally say, couldn't yeah, get they, by it. I remember it, it almost being like, so like when Chris first went there and, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't, I 
started knowing the difference between the indies and the WWF, but they would like run small buildings like that. Like I remember going to like a VFW and like Triple H and like Shawn Michaels and like everybody was there in like the in the locker room and just like a like a small building in Jersey and like Edison, you know, <laughs> they just, you know, so it was, uh, yeah, I, I, I just, yeah. When you said that, I just remember that they would just run all these different buildings, like no matter how many people were there. Yeah. You go to Brookdale community college and you could see the iron Sheik versus the, uh, Sergeant slaughter, you know, in like 1985 before slaughter was gone, but that would be the main event of, of a Brookdale community college show. So you just never knew the WWF in, in the Jersey area was, that was it. But the indie scene in, in New Jersey was good because of the WWF and you couldn't go two shows without seeing Tito Santana, and Greg Namor Valentine, and you know, and Virgil would pop in. So it, would, it was very WWF centric. So that's, that's the first thing we got to get out of the way. Yeah. And that's funny. I just, those guys you mentioned, I wrestled all them years later. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I'll bring up the book again, the book, no gimmicks needed. Uh, John Cosper, Johnny Candido, the, uh, the author himself. So, so esteemed to call you an author now, I'm sure. I know, you know? right? <laughs> you got really cool. I can add to my, wikipedia page or just i don't know it's a cool thing to be just you know it should be good for a, i was a rapper and i'm an author it should be good yeah. for a few extra drinks right when you're at the bar you know oh, i have a public yeah. author <laughs> of course <laughs> but you know the story itself that we'll focus on today is chris in that mid-90s time so like you said you know you're in eighth grade you're, you know, you're following your brother. He was in Smoky Mountain. He he did really well in Smoky Mountain. Uh, he's the NWA champion, which still, you know, was pretty is pretty prestigious at that point. NWA wasn't where it was five years earlier, or when a certain franchise threw down the uh, the belt that yeah. Chris would then, you know, not get too long after. Um, but as he's getting ready for the WWF in early '95, what are you doing? Where where are you at as a as a fan? Let's see. Um... In 95, I'm 13. So um, I guess I'm in what, like eighth grade? So you're, you're seventh, eighth grade. We're the same age. Yep. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm working at, at the beach where the same place Chris worked and, you know, doing shit down at the beach in the summer, sleeping off the steps and stuff like that. And I remember like, uh, so when, when, when Chris got to the WWF, I, 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 I knew something like big had happened because he like, you know, he, he you know, he came home and he, he had he had a WWF hat on. He was like dressed all nice. And and so I, you know, I remember him telling my parents that he's, you know, going to go to the to the WWF and he showed them his contract and all this stuff. And my father had a had a friend of ours, a friend of his who lives two blocks away, who's a lawyer who had him look at the contract and, uh, you know, the, the lawyer was basically like, you know, there's so many holes in this contract. It's like they, they, <laughs> they could basically fire you just whenever they want, you know, but he's like, I don't care. This is my dream. This is what I'm going to do. So he went there and uh, like at first, like I think what people don't really know, like at first, like, like Chris and Shawn Michaels and um, the, the, all the click dudes were all friends. Uh, I remember like the Hardy boys made them like, Hardy Boys used to like make bandanas or something. He had like some bandanas from the Hardy Boys. So I remember when he when he first went there. Let's say the first couple of months, he like freaking loved it. You know, like like later on, the guys are here that he was beefing with over Tammy or whatever. Right. You know, they were all boys initially, because you know I 
we used to go to the shows and hang out. And then, you know, so my, my like initially, like I said, he so he was very, very happy. It showed that like all his hard work paid off. He had this new house that that he was building in Colts Neck. And, you know, not, not to jump ahead, but just, yeah, in, in the beginning there, he, he was really stoked. But I remember also my Uncle Frank, who was a uh, – my Uncle Frank coached football in the NFL and the CFL and uh, college. And I remember him sitting Chris down and having, like, a, a big talk about steroids with him, you know, when, when my brother, like, around that time. Right. And uh, I, I just remember eavesdropping, you know, my father – Saying like you know you're you're gonna inject yourself with this they make it out of out of bulls nuts and you're gonna inject yourself with this and you know are you crazy so you know not that my brother gave a shit he he listened to the speech but he still was on the juice but <laughs> that's just something I remember my uncle Frank and my dad but my uncle Frank and my dad giving Chris the the don't take steroids talk it was hard they were coming off a big trial so it was hard to uh, not yeah wait yeah <laughs> yeah. I'd still even fight it, even when Chris was there. They were still going uh, after. Him. So now Chris gets the, the 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 you know what the, the WWF contract, which is a guarantee of such and such dates for a very small amount of money. But on the other side of it, you're going to make X, Y, and Z if this all plays out. Make your money off the house. Uh, he didn't really care. It seemed to to he just no. wanted to get there. That was yeah. the goal for him. And for him, it was like a foregone conclusion. Like so, you know, he'd been he'd been wrestling since he was twelve. 13 so and anybody who was a professional wrestler he knew like from from everywhere because he just that's that's all he did was wrestle like he 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 didn't have a hobby his hobby was wrestling his job was wrestling his right. his life was wrestling you know wrestling lifting weights that's that's what he did but you know lifting weights took a backseat to wrestling and and and, and uh you know and like clean living which is why like later on when he like gets you know, when he sees the other guys like taking Solmas and, and taking Vikes and, you know, he didn't really know what to do. Like he wasn't like another way to phrase it would be like, so when, like when, when Chris and Tammy were waiting for their house to get built, they were staying with Tammy's mom. So this is around like 95 right. and, uh, and Tammy's mom called my mom and she was like, she's like, Peg, these, these kids are they're, they're doing something there's there's uh pharmacy bottles getting sent to this house and and i they're they're doing they're doing something my mom's just like she's like christopher no he would never touch a drug you know that's crazy to even think that she's like i think they're doing something you know and she's like no 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 so that just shows you know how my brother was he was such he was very serious about about wrestling but right. i guess at this time you know he learned that to keep up with that crazy schedule, you take shit to fall asleep. You take shit to wake up. You know, you take shit to make sure you're on point with your performance. So he, uh, which you know, like, you know, my you know, my parents are kind of old fashioned, I suppose, and they, you know, they, they just didn't think that was a possibility for him that he would do that. But yeah, no, initially he was really, really happy there. I think you know the whole skip gimmick. It probably wasn't his favorite in the world, but he was. Uh, he was just happy to be there. It's like all his hard work is validated. Now he's got, and he would get, you know, like in the beginning, the money wasn't great, but it got like, it got really good. It right. got really good, especially when they were tag team champions, you know, then it got like, cause they, and they, Vince would give 
like performance bonuses, like after like pay per views and stuff, like FedEx envelopes with like stacks of cash in it. Wow. So yeah, you know, like like thirty grand, forty grand, you know, of, of just cash. So yeah, the money was definitely good. And then it, you know, it trickled down to me as a little brother. You know, <laughs> as I was getting older, he was, you know, hooking me up with money, and I could drive all the cars and shit. So it, yeah, it was really cool. Everybody, you know, I'll just say that on a sidebar. I mean, everybody knew that your brother was from where you guys are from. I mean, everybody knew they would, everybody knew Bam Bam is Asbury. Everybody knew that Candido was, I don't know if we knew Spring Lake specifically, but we knew Candido was around there. So as a Jersey guy, we knew it. We, yeah. we knew he was there. So anytime we could see somebody from the area we knew on TV, it was even better, especially when you're becoming a teenager and you're reading the magazines and you're seeing these names, but him becoming Skip, I mean, if he's a WWF fan, he knows it comes with the territory because th that's what they do. They make characters out of people. He was yeah. in great shape. So, well, it makes sense to let's make him a fitness guy. Those were coming up in the mid nineties, you know, the Tony Littles of the world and whatever. He fits perfectly. And, you know, when you watch their debut vignette where they're looking in the camera and they're making fun of the people on the couch. I mean, it's brilliant WWF branding, but Skip isn't necessarily the name that's going to strike fear in the hearts of many guys across the ring. No, and that's no. the problem. <laughs> but, hey, I mean, you know, look, nobody thought Dolph Ziggler was a great name and the guys made a killing as Dolph Ziggler for 15 years. Yeah. No, I. you know what? I think he liked it, but he didn't see, him, he didn't see himself like that either. You know, he... Again, Skip isn't gonna isn't gonna strike fear into the uh, into the hearts of people, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I like I I think he he viewed it as like paying his dues. He's gonna do this, and you know, I I found like a little card. There was like a little photo album he must have put together, and there was like a description of what the body downers are supposed to be. And yeah, yeah, you sent me that. Yeah, That's yeah, fascinating. And it was like you know, it was like it was like fitness freaks who are who are obsessed with fitness and are. And, and and are disgusted by the lack of fitness of the other athletes in the WWF, blah, blah, blah. So I think he was just going to let that run its course. You know, after they dropped the belts, then he would get repackaged as something. But I think what, what happened was he was on the back burner for a little too long. And he's like, I'm wasting the prime of my career right now. You know, right. like around 96. But, but I remember, so like back when he was there, he would have us, you know, me and my family and my friends, you know, to the back all the time. And, you know, we met all the guys on, you know, multiple times. I think my, you know, I met Yoko Zuna, Steve Austin, freaking, you know, I mean, you know, you name him. I've, I met him when I was a kid and uh, just, I, I remember Savio Vega just sticks out because he was such a cool dude. He'd always like, you know, like walk like me and my fam out to the car and shit. Oh, that's but, You know, it was something, you know, to just to jump ahead a little bit, we're sitting around, you know, like either 95 or 96. And it's like me, me, my family, Tammy's mom and her cousin, there's like maybe like 10 of us. And the guys are coming up saying hello, you know, you know, British Bulldog, uh, you know, Al Snow, Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels comes over and Tammy's mom goes to Shawn Michaels. She goes, I don't want to see you get out of here. Get get away from us. Oh, and like, like even like my brother and my family, we like we didn't know why. She's like, I know who you are. I don't care to speak to you, and I don't want you anywhere near me. And we're like, all right, like no, like like for me, 
I thought that she like didn't like that he did like a like maybe like a provocative gimmick. I didn't know what right, right. why she was upset with him. You know, I guess now I understand, obviously. But I guess, like I said, she not, she knew that shit before. I guess everybody else did. So, no, so no suspicions at all, huh? <laughs> no, I mean, like I said, we were all just yeah. sitting there, and she was just—he came over, and she was just like, "I know who you are. I don't want you anywhere near me. Don't fucking sit with us or some shit like that." And he's like, "Okay," and he, she's like, "Leave, jerk off," like I, something like that. And you know, all of us were just kind of like, we, it wasn't a big deal. We we're just like, I guess she just has some kind of beef with them. So what? Right. You know, you're, you're just, you know, you're like, hey, can I get one of these? You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just, again, like we just thought she didn't like his performance or something. So we're just like, all right, whatever. So, so like again, they they did work a lot in the metropolitan area, but they did work a lot. They, that was probably one of the more intense working schedules that anybody ever had in that company. They were on the road basically every day. So how often did you get to see him during that era with him coming home? Still all the, all, all the time, like every week, you know, I, I, I forget if they got like a day off a week or whatever it was, but he would call me up and be like, you know, be like, dude, you know, cause like around that time I was like huge into baseball He'd be like, all right, dude, I'll take you. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I'll take you to the batting cages. You know, right, right when I come home, I'll pick you up. We'll go to the batting cages. And, like, you know, even if the batting cages were closed, we, we, we'd freaking hit rocks in the parking lot. Um, and they would still go to South End Beach. You know, my, my brother and Tammy, when, when, they were up, when they were up there, and, you know, my brother was freaking jacked out of his mind. And, you know, Tammy would wear this American flag bikini that, like, crossed over her, like, nipples like this. <laughs> and all the dudes, all the guys on the beach would be like, what the fuck? You know, like, so I saw, I saw him all the time. It was like, he still made all my, he made all my baseball games, my little sister's games. Well, they, I mean, they were still young, but still at the beach, still made all my baseball games. And me and my friends had a, had a, a backyard wrestling federation and he would come to all our shows guest referee and uh and freaking do color commentary i sent you the picture of yeah it. no it was a great picture yeah, yeah body slam and he's right there with yeah. his shirt on you know i think it's a body donna shirt right that he's yeah, got on yeah, and he's yeah. right there in the middle of the ring <laughs> and so yeah we used to charge three bucks for people to get in and you know it was all like kids from like our neighborhood and the neighborhood over who charge, would pay three bucks and it was mostly to see like you know him and get a chance to just like sit next to him and like get autographs and shit but we were we were stoked because we made, you know, we'd make like, you know, how many, maybe 30, 50 people would come in there. You well, know. That's, that's pretty good for a backyard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 40, 50 kids paying three bucks a pop. We were like, we thought we were rolling in dough. There was like eight <laughs> of us, you know. So, it, yeah, I got to see him a lot. He never, uh, you know, he was, no matter where he went, he always went home, especially when he went on big tours. He would like, like after they did India, he came back and he would like tell me all about it. He's like, oh man, India was crazy. He's like, but it's like nothing you ever seen. He's like, there's like people like living in the tents, like like on you know, like on the street. And uh, I remember he's like, they, they they met someone like like somebody like high up in the government of India. And he's, he's like, they all present. He's like, he's like they presented us with a with a ceramic elephant and like a uh, and like and like a freaking like a, like a big thick flashlight, like like as a gift. Like always, always got like gift bags of ceramic elephants and flashlights, like something weird like that. But uh, yeah, he, he, I don't know. He like he would always come back and tell all the cool shit that like 
you know, like what happened on the tours and stuff. And, you know, we'd go out to dinner and shit. And his, that's like, I remember me, like me, him and Jimmy, who was cloudy. Yeah. He, you know, cloudy Jimmy's from Maniswan. His running is Jimmy. Yep. And, uh, you know, so we, like I said, we, you know, go out to, he'd take me to dinner with women to come back and we shoot the shit. So I got to see him a lot. It was, it was cool. And I got to go with him a lot. He'd take me with him all the time. Yeah, it's so weird that again they they weren't doing well from a company perspective, but they were torn like maniacs. I mean, they were in Canada all the time. They were always on these overseas tours, the overseas tours that literally made or or could break a, a guy's career in the company. See Dean Douglas, the the European tours kind of the, was the death blow for him. But it's funny. It's one thing that Shane says all the time about that era is that you know Chris got it and he got it. It's, not only did he have the name Skip, but he had the powder blue <laughs> tights. I was, was going to say that, yeah. And this is what Shane always goes to. He says the, the powder blue striking fear in the hearts of every baby face, you know, on the roster. It's funny how it maybe on the Dean it didn't work, but I, the, the attire for the body Donna's fit the two of them so perfectly. And although it could have been construed as cheesy, they did it kind of perfectly. And I think that's what they really missed the boat on with them is that they were so good at it. Yeah, no, he like he could definitely. They definitely made it work. I just think it was like the the curse of the, the the powder blue. The heels have to wear powder blue, and like that that was that was like almost like a curse. It felt like you know, but uh, they definitely pulled it off. You know, like I know that uh, they he you know like I said he was down for it. He enjoyed it, but I I I, def I definitely thought it would work. I but like just what I thought was a little weird was. During the Barry, Barry Horowitz angle, right? They used to have him. They used to have like vignettes or whatever of Chris and Tammy in the back watching the monitor and hoping Barry Horowitz would would get beat up, and they they, they would be like cheering against him, like to get to that or like saying how bad he was, or, and then he beat him. Like it, it. In other words, it's like it's like. I don't know what the fuck I'm even trying to say, but it's like Barry Horowitz beats my brother and then they're cheering for him. Be Barry, Barry wasn't Barry was no, not married to heel nor face at that point. He was just a guy that everybody knew the name would get beat every week. What I found funny, even reading the book and just knowing the career, I would never have thought it was such a little time from when he debuted to when he lost at SummerSlam I thought he was there for six months, the way they built them up so perfectly with the vignettes. But I didn't realize that they were specifically targeting him and that he literally debuts against Barry Horowitz in his first match. I never realized that. Yeah, I didn't even realize that either. I just remember during that time, he thought it was funny. Like, he just didn't, you know, he didn't care that much. Like, like you know, like, people would see him at, like, the mall or whatever and, like, do the Barry Horowitz and run away. <laughs> he, thought, he thought it was hilarious, you know? <laughs> So he, he didn't get like pissed off about it or anything. I, I just thought the vignettes and the way they set it up were like, like, like a little, like a little bit like cheesy. But it worked. It, again, for some reason, they they kind of made it work. You know, it was, uh, you know, it was. Uh, I, I think I think he made the I think he made the best of uh, of his time there. And like I said, what they wanted to do with him was, you know, keep him there since he'd been so technically sound, he'd been training since he was 12. Right. And they, they wanted him to like, so around that time he was doing like uh, dark matches with 
The Rock and Mark Henry and like training them up and they wanted him to stay and, and train the, 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 you know, the up and coming guys. And he was like, Oh, I don't want to do that. I, right. want, I want to go somewhere else. But uh, yeah, yeah. That whole time it did, it, it did seem longer than it was right. The whole Barry Horowitz. Angle. It really wasn't. It, I couldn't believe it when I was looking at the dates. I mean, he debuts in June or the, uh, it was at May or June. I think it was May. And in SummerSlam is August, which, hello, back to the old world where we used to live, where the SummerSlam to WrestleMania time felt like it took forever. Th- that's midway between. So made it to August that he debuts against Barry Horowitz on Raw and he loses to Barry Horowitz at SummerSlam. You would have thought he was Goldberg with how many matches he had in between there. I was going to say there, they really did build him up because I, I was looking at this gimmick the other day. It was like it was like the 10 biggest upsets in WWE history. And that was like number one. When he was doing the push-ups and gave the thumbs up, Barry Horowitz rolled him up. That was like the the number one biggest, uh, you know, uh, like biggest upset. But uh, yeah, man. Again, when, you, when I think about it, that was seemed like a long time, but you know, I, I guess it wasn't. And then you know, obviously with the body down, as poor Tom Pritchard, you know. Yeah, now I'll get. I want to get to Tom in a second, but yeah. was, now with he. He was kind of paired with um, with Louis Spicoli. He was Rad Radford. Now was he yeah. was he buddies with Louis? Oh yeah, yeah, dude. Okay. Louis was cool as hell. They had bought. That's all I hear about Louis from everybody that I talk to. Yeah, <laughs> uh, just for me, I, you know, I I knew it. Be- I knew him because Chris had bought Bubba Dudley's uh, Oldsmobile Achieva, <laughs> and uh, they like he, he would ride with Louis, and they'd pick me up, and the two of them would just have a ball in the front, listening to you know. Li- listening to the rock and roll, you know, just, just having the, you know, having a great time. So I just knew Louie as like, Louie was, he was like loud and boisterous and funny, you know, that's the kind of the personality he was in a good way. You know what I mean? Like yeah. making everybody laugh, like always, you know, always mixing it up, having a good time. So yeah, the two of them were, were really close. Yeah, I mean, you know, and you could almost see with the way guys work with each other on TV, and that was a good pairing. It, it made, you know, it made them look cool because they were trying to help this guy who was a little out of shape, but they kind of baby-faced uh, Rad Radford in the process because they were such heels. Uh, but Dr. Tom, and that's probably one of the, the bigger things that stands out when people think about Chris's run, is everybody knew Dr. Tom was. Everybody knew it. So when he comes out from under the ring with the, with the, the skip hairdo, and the, the the cut locks, which I know, and this is the only thing I want to ask you. Have you ever seen the tape <laughs> of Dr. Tom getting his hair cut? <laughs> no, I, I never did. I, I never did. And, you know, again, like I'm just starting to really watch wrestling because I'm there. I, I knew I didn't know what Tom looked like before. So I just I just knew him as my brother's partner. Right. Um, you know, and then later on, I saw that he had. That long hair and oh know, my gosh, like poor. And I know because I used to have really long hair. And you know, I knew what how you you know now how you get like attached to having long hair. But dude, yeah, that that, that really sucked for him. I felt so bad for oh, him. It's and, you. Uh, I, I can't even think about Doctor Tom, even though I know he's had the short hair since. <laughs> yeah, I can't not think of those locks and him doing this with the hair and the. I mean, he was when he popped out, and you were a fan who was quote smart at the time. You knew it was Tom Pritchard. You're like. Damn. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. <a> transition. <laughs> yeah, they, they could have definitely put somebody else there. But Dr. Tom was was so good and so I, I don't I don't know the age difference between Chris and Tom, but you know, I'm gonna say Tom was, you know, maybe like five to ten years older than Chris, I'd imagine. 
So, uh, you know, I guess they, they probably wanted him there for, I don't know, maybe experience or, you know, they had their, they had their reasons. They paired those two together or just because they were both good. But yeah, that, that, I, yeah, I heard there's a tape of him getting his uh, getting his hair cut, and he's not very happy. No. <laughs> Doctor Tom is sixty one. All right, right, so Chris Chris would be forty nine. So there's a there was a little yeah. bit of a difference, but I'm sure Chris, being the student of the game oh, that yeah. he was, probably you know that was like a sponge. Yeah, well, you know when he was when when Chris was thirty, like when you know when we had our when 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 he when he was like like thirty thirty one. And I tell that story how he had his like aha moment and like right. you know, stopped doing drugs and everything. He had seemed like he'd been the he seemed old because he'd been in the business for so long. Correct. So, yes. Like when when he was when he was there in ninety five, he was born in in seventy two, so he's twenty three. Yeah. You know, twenty three, twenty four, like around that time, and then you know starting to make real money. You know, you know when you're that age is is pretty freaking crazy. Like I remember. When so they got this huge house built in in Colts Neck, and uh, they they were staying at Tammy's mom's house while the house was getting built. But I remember when so the house was finally built, and me and Chris went over there. Well, first he went over to my mom, showed him the whole house. It was freaking giant. Uh, you know there was uh, well, well, so so like before any furniture and anything moved in, he's like. Like me and him went back later. We like ordered Chinese food and we like slept on the floor in his house. He's like, "Oh, dude, this is my house. How awesome is this?" I'm like, "Oh, dude, this is so <laughs> sick." And then, uh, so you know, fast forward, they had the whole place, you know, decorated. Like you'd walk in to the left was like um, almost like a, like a trophy room. Like there was like a big trophy case with like Slammy awards and you know titles and shit like that. There was a popcorn machine and like like a gumball machine. It was all, all this crazy shit. Then on the other side was like, a was like a living room with all, like all, like all leopard print couches and all kind of crazy stuff. Then you got to like the main area where there was, you know, kitchen, living room, all that stuff. So then upstairs, my bedroom, Chris and Tammy's bedroom, they had a, my brother had a huge office, huge. And then, there was an office inside the office that had tanning beds. So you can go tanning in there, all kind of shit. And then they had a jungle room that had all kind of exotic animals, like, you know, lizards, snakes, um, fucking parrots, all kind of shit in this one room. <laughs> and it was nuts, man. And, you know, when it was when I got a little older, you know, around, like, you know, sophomore year, junior year, senior year, I started having parties over at their house when, you know, when they were on the road. But yeah, it was, um, you know, like, like I said, it was, they, they were, they were making a lot of money at a very young age. So it was, uh, it was, you know, for him, it was, it was validation of, of him making it. And my parents, you know, my parents telling him, Christopher, just, you know, go to college. And, but for, you know, for him, it was wrestling or bust. And that, that was kind of him showing the world that like, look, I made it doing what I love to do. Right. Man, I wish I was at some of those parties. Oh, <laughs> no, man. I just got to give context too. So Colts Neck for where we grew up, where, you know, I lived in Middletown. So Colts Neck, we'd go through Colts Neck to go to the Freehold Mall. And Colts Neck was the, that was the place. That's where you heard the football players live. That's where, you know, your, your big businessman of the area lived. I mean, that was the spot. So for him to have that as a, as a spot to build his house, I, I get it. I absolutely get it. That was the place to prove 
that you you made it. Yeah, yeah. And for me as a younger brother, he would be like, uh, you know, like so. There's you know, there's a lot of like like private like cul-de-sacs and shit yep. all around Colt's neck. So he would just let me drive his car. He'd be like, you know, <laughs> he would just let me drive his car around the you know around all the different all the different cul-de-sacs around all the you know the the whole area there. And uh, it was, dude, it was it was really freaking cool, you know. I mean, later on, my 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 one buddy crashed his one car. <laughs> we were we were sixteen, and uh, so my brother didn't know initially that I was having parties there because we'd clean the house like top to bottom. Oh, look at you! <laughs> yeah, we were, we were smooth. But my one friend, you know, Chris had a had a black convertible that that he always drove. I forget I forget what the hell it was, but. He's like Johnny. He's like only. He's like just you can drive the cars. Don't let any of your friends drive the cars. I'm like, all right. My one buddy Shawnee was like, he's like, dude, I just got my learner's permit. This shows you our age. He's like, oh, I just got my learner's permit. He's like, he's like, let me just drive the black car to the end of the driveway and I'll drive it back up. And after a while, he was like, you know, I'm like, all right, go ahead. So he drives the he drives the car out. He backs it up, and he's looking. Then he looks forward. I'm not in the car with him. I'm just watching him. He looks forward to pull back in, hits the gas, but he never put the car in drive. And he just goes in reverse. <laughs> Boom, nails the stop sign. And he, he gets out and bolts because, you know, I was going to chase him and kick his ass. Um, but then all my other friends came down and uh, were like, oh, what the fuck are we going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. Let's just push it up into the back into the garage. Maybe he thinks he'll, you know, he thinks he'll, he, he'll think he did it himself or something. So we pushed it back in there and. He didn't think he did it himself. He called me up. He was like, what the fuck did you do to my car? I'm like, I don't know. Shawnee was driving it. He's like, nobody's supposed to drive it except you. You're going to fucking get me in trouble. That's because, you know, I, I kind of, I was having a lot of parties there. And then one night there was a, my friend Dana had a sweet 16 party, like two towns over and Chris was supposed to be gone. And I had planned with like a couple other friends and shit that we were going to go there afterwards anyway for like a late night party. So my friend Dana's party gets broken up by cops or whatever, you know, high school party, everybody goes running. So we get in the car, we end up driving to my brother's house and I have the keys. I open the door, I walk in and he's sitting there on the couch reading pro wrestling illustrated. I'm like, Hey dude, what's happening? He's like, Hey, what's up? I'm like, Oh, I was like, Oh, I was going to hang here with my buddies. But since you're here, I'll just, you know, I'll just go back home to mom and dad's. He's like, all right. So I leave and the next morning. He's like, dude, what the fuck is going on at my house? What are you doing here? I'm like, well, why? What happened? He's like, dude, there was a hundred kids in my front lawn last night. He's like, some, some dude had dogs that were running around my front yard. People were walking up with guitars, kegs. He's like, uh, he, he, he turned all the lights off. He's like, I turned the lights off. I took my shirt off, did some pushups and to scare him, he turned the lights on and, you know, through the garage door, I was like, "Get the fuck out of here!" And like, like, like screamed at all of them. And then uh, he's just like, "Dude, he's like, he's like, no more of these crazy parties at my house." He's like, you know, he's like, it's it's getting too much. There was like a hundred people here last night. So you know, he's like, if one of these kids gets drunk and and fuck something up, or you know, he's like, I, he's like, I could get sued. Mom and dad could get in trouble. And then I was like, oh shit, I guess he's right. You know, you you don't really have the best, you know thoughts when you're sophomore high school <laughs> i gotta ask you this though it was worth every second of it wasn't it <laughs> oh hell yeah because the, the 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 only the only thing he ever made me do so the 
So there was this, this this gimmick called go for it that would go pick up food for you. You could order food for whatever from wherever, like in the area, and they would pick it up and bring it to your house. It was like a Grubhub before Grubhub. I was gonna say way before it's time. Holy shit! Yeah, and and so he showed me. He's like, if, if he's, he's like, if you and your buddies are ever here, like he knew my my best like ten friends, and he's like, right. you know, they all knew him. So he's like, if you and your buddies are here, you know, call this place and you order this food. So. I would watch him. The guy would come with the food. He'd autograph something and take the food. I'm watching. I'm just like, man, this guy must really love wrestling. Like he goes and picks up food for just autographs. This guy. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm thinking as I'm watching it, you know? So I would have like parties. And the next day I'm like, Hey guys, I can call this guy and he'll bring us any food we want. And he'll, just as long as Chris autographs some shit for him. So the guy would come, I would write my name, and then he would bring me all the shit, whatever. And but you know, my, my brother called. He's like, dude. He's like, why is there a? He's like, he's like, my credit cards maxed out. Somebody spent fifteen thousand dollars and go for it the past two months. I'm like, what are you, I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, he's like, I'm talking about the food, the food place. I'm like, what? The guy with the autographs? He's like, he's like, that's not free, you idiot. He's like, it's my credit card. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I had, I didn't know, like, I didn't really grasp, like, what the credit, what the fuck. He's like, Jesus Christ, dude. But he didn't really care. I had to, I had to paint, I had to paint his fence. He had a new fence, and me and my friends had to paint his fence. But That's yeah, awesome. it was, it was definitely <laughs> worth it. And like, like I said, a lot of the stories from those parties are are still like legendary. You know, when I have like half a Manasquan High School there, but you know. I wish, man. Again, I wish it was a little closer. Right. <laughs> you would State have been County, there. just other side. Right. Yeah, dude, you you would have been there with us. If you had like a balcony on the top floor in the house that like, like almost like in, Scar like in Scarface, how Scarface had like that balcony that overlooked yeah. the bottom. And me and my friends would jump off the balcony onto the couch, just fucking go ape shit in his house. And like I said, he had tanning beds. So people would go in there and be like tanning. And some people would be, fun, you know, then he had a huge yards. So we'd be out there doing keg stands and, you know, <laughs> making gravity bongs and shit. It was nuts, man. It was fun. Again, uh, was, I, I would have been waiting for him just to ask him 10,000 questions about uh, the WWF. So I probably would have got <laughs> thrown out pretty early. I don't know. I would have, uh, I would have maybe uh, had myself excused. Um, before we kind of get to the uh, to the to the wrap up points, a couple other little things. Um, so when he does win the, the the tag straps with Dr. Tom, obviously huge goal. Um, when he comes home the first time with the belts, is that like a uh, an oh, yeah. the first time you got to see him that close? Hell yeah! That that was that was such an oh yeah that was such an awesome moment. I mean, you know, I called all my friends over. We actually when it happened, I believe we were backstage. If not that night, the night after. Because if you look on my Twitter, you could see there's pictures of yes. my sister holding it, me holding yeah. it, like all of us. So I think we saw him on the road with them before he came home. But when he came home and showed it to everyone around, that was a big like moment, of, like a big prideful moment. And me, I, I took him in for career day at school. Oh, did you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I took I took him in for career day, and uh, you know had him had him show the belt and and tell his whole story about you know about everything. And you know, I know my little sisters took him in for career day years later, but it was uh, it was really cool, man. Like again, like he was never he, he was never far from home. He was always he was always popping in and, and saying what's up. And 
and just kind of, yeah. But as far, as far as winning the belts, that, that was huge. When I saw him do that, I was like, you know, just so happy for him because that had been his, uh, his, his drive in life was to, was to succeed at professional wrestling. And he finally right. did it. And for, for, you know, for him, it was just a foregone conclusion. He was just, he had no other thought of his, in his mind of doing anything else except wrestle. So, you know, him achieving that was kind of like just his, his next goal on the way to, you know, to, to, to growing and growing and getting bigger in the, in the industry. Yeah. The only thing that stinks, I think from the fan perspective about it is that it was probably the lightest that the tag division was unfortunately. And they flipped the belts back and forth like five times, but as a lifelong fan, and this is the cool thing. And, and we'll add this to the story. Why you were probably backstage is because it was at Madison square garden. Yeah. So that, that's where the even bigger moment as a, as a lifelong fan would be. Not only are you the WWF tag champ, but you won it at the garden, which is virtually home territory. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, that's right. There was like the smoking guns and the Godwins. Right? Who else was who else? It was literally it was them. It was the body donnas, the smoking guns, the Godwins. I think they at that point in ninety-six, Bulldog and Owen were just starting to team, but Yoko and Owen were just kind of ending their team. So there wasn't a lot of tag teams. It was really the yeah, three, and maybe they true. throw in a fourth. Oh, the bushwhackers were still floating around, that's yeah, for sure. And yeah. uh one of the other make there was another makeshift team. Yeah, that that's it's crazy. Cause I, yeah, when I think about it, I, I don't think I can name more than the than Chris and Tom, the the, the smoking guns and the and the and the freaking Godwins. Yeah, you know? that that's it. That's the thing that stinks about it is they were kind of it was the lightest the tag era had ever been. It yeah. would pick up a few months after. I was gonna say Legion of Doom came a few months after and like yep. a whole bunch of shit. Yeah, yeah. So they just that's the only thing that I think looking back stinks is they didn't have a lot of matches and and even on WrestleMania, they're on the pre-show, they're not on the main show, but that's the Iron Man match, which on this show we've talked about many times. I'm not a big fan of it. It's not the most exciting Iron Man match they ever had in, in wrestling yeah. history. <laughs> but I uh I digress. So uh a couple of little things about his time. So when he 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 does end up popping back in when the ECW invasion happens. And I know I've seen shoot interviews with Chris where he talks about it, but like to see him back in the WWF, but not with the WWF when he was with ECW is kind of weird because we saw what he could do in ECW. And yeah. it was almost like bring this guy back because he's probably better than a lot of the guys you got right now. Oh yeah, I'm sure. And I think at the time, you know, he knew that and he was kind of uh, like, you know, I, it's it's hard for me to explain where, where his head was at that time. He he left WWA WWF for for career reasons, but also for personal reasons because you know with all the as he would say like the rumors with Tammy, right? Oh, sure. you know, I can't imagine. He, so he wasn't having a great time there. So he, uh, you know, I, I think he was hesitant to to go back. He just thought that whatever was going on would blow over, or you know, I just. Years later, I would learn all the all the shit that was going on. I mean, I would see like when I stay there, I'd see like crazy fucking, you know, crazy and like insane fights at night, like domestic violence, like her on him, like her kicking the shit out of him while he's passed out. Then her getting in the getting the phone, locking herself in the car. Then he break the car window. Oh, she go running down the street. I go chasing her. It was like insane at the fucking time. I you know I I didn't know what the fuck was even going on i just knew it was nuts and then there were you know it, the 
that was around the time that they were like getting fucked up, but it wasn't like rock star fucked up. It looks cool. It was like scary fucked up, right. like, you know, fucking people sum it up everywhere, fucking passed out. And then, you know, Tammy's chasing around with fucking knives out of the, I remember like the first time I saw it, we had like a normal night. We, we ate dinner, whatever. And then I'm sleeping in my bedroom. And I hear Johnny, Chris is trying to kill himself. So I go running down the stairs. He's sleeping on the couch. She starts raining punches down on him. Bam, bam, hitting him, right? So she gets off of him. I'm like, cook, cook, cook. I, you know, I wake him up. She grabs two knives out of the butcher block and fucking comes after him. And I, I stand in front of him. And he's like, dude, move. This shit happens every night. I'm like, this happens every night. I'm like, are you fucking serious? And uh, and then she did something and ran away and fucking, you know, then I was talking to him. I'm like, she fucking does this shit every night. Like, what the fuck? And then, you know, years later, I would learn, like, what was going on, you know. But, uh, yeah, so he wasn't a huge fan of being in that locker room at that time. Right. Yeah. Lately. And it's funny because, like, ECW, and I don't well, I don't go into the stuff that wasn't in this this company, but ECW was almost like a, a home for him because there were other guys like-minded like him who had had the same experience and banded together, which, again, which makes the triple threat so special because those three guys had essentially kind of the same beef. <laughs> and yeah. it made the group kind of flourish the way it was because it was like a FU to, you know, WWF. That's really yeah. what it was. And it was their house, the three of them. And that's, you know, funny for me to do shows with Francine and Shane. I mean, I hear about Chris all the time from both of them still to this day. And that's what I get from that group is that it was the perfect spot for him professionally from, from a work standpoint, because everybody had that same, you know, us against the world, fuck WWE mindset. And also because they, they were all professional wrestlers who took professional wrestling seriously. Yeah, you know, he he wasn't freaking skip in a powder blue fucking singlet doing jumping jacks. Like they they were like they all love pro wrestling and you could see it in their in their work. That's why they were so they were so good. Like they took their even though Chris would, you know, he liked to do some ha ha and, you know, just like make people laugh out there. But he was very he was serious about his work as a professional wrestler, which I think, you know, was refreshing to him for, you know, to be in that locker room. And to have really good matches, you know, which I'm sure is the same with Shane and with, you know, with Bammer, you know. Yeah. So for sure. Now, uh, have you ever seen the night that they uh, they dressed up as the Dean and Skip at uh, I forget which ECW it was a Halloween show and they were billing the uh, your favorite WWF superstars uh, will be, you know, in attendance. And they came out as Skip and Dean Douglas, respectively. But the big reveal was that the Shawn Michaels music hits. Oh, <laughs> and, my God. <laughs> and Meanie comes out as Shawn Michaels. <laughs> I, I remember hearing about it. I wasn't at that one. I was probably throwing a party at his house that night. It was in Connecticut. It was in Stanford. It was in Stanford, Connecticut. Yeah. And I was definitely throwing a party at his house that night. <laughs> Connecticut was a little bit of a hike. And, you know, but yeah, no, I, me- I remember hearing that about, you know, about that show. And I think that was the night that they, you know, they, that was, that was the last time they worked as those, as those gimmicks. And, you know, it was, that, that was like the theme of the show or whatever. Right. Or was that, it was, what well, was a Halloween show. So it was, you know, right. it, was, uh, it was all a bunch of the, the ha ha and the gaga, as they say that Chris loved. Yeah. So that, uh, I love that. It's one of my favorite things. I love asking Shane about that. Cause he'll still laugh about it. Cause you know, there's one picture out there. I, it's on one of the fan cams and one of the RF video, Mm-hmm. Fan cams, but you see them in their attire, and it's in 96, uh, 97, and it's like, 
Oh, that's weird. <laughs> well, dude, speaking of RF video fan cams, you know how they started doing a documentary about Chris like a couple yeah. years ago? Yep. Last night I had a production meeting on Google. The guy Ron from Turnbuckle Magazine, mm-hmm. he's got two partners now. And uh, they, so the, the, the first trailer that we shot was they, they came, they're from Arizona, Turnbuckle Magazine. Mm-hmm. They, they came to Spring Lake in the winter of 2015. Uh, shot that little trailer, and they came back that summer and the next summer, and they have thousands of hours of footage of you know Chris. Uh, I'm sorry, from of of Chris Chris's shoot interview, all RF videos, uh, fan cam, awesome, the 2005 memorial show, and us interviewing everyone. We went to house hardcore, whatever. So long story short, we're making the documentary again. We're working on another. They're doing another trailer. We got all these new partners and I'm going out there uh, early, early, uh, early August to like fill in some parts and stuff, but it's going to be back, you know, the, the documentary is back in the works. So that's, I'm really stoked about that. No, it's excellent. I mean, again, and we'll plug the book again before we say goodbye. The, the book is, is awesome. I took it with me on vacation in April, loved every second of it. Again, I get to experience stories all the time from Shane and Francine still. I almost, you know, I feel like sometimes I could throw up that three because, uh, you know, the stories I hear, I wish I could have been there too, but I was your age. So wherever you were at, I would have been right next to you uh, hiding someplace, oh, soaking it up like a sponge. Uh, but I got to ask you this. Yeah, out of all the, the 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 Candido memorabilia and the Candido family, I gotta ask this: Do you have the cape? Which one? The cape? The, the cape. blue cape? The original Body Donna attire cape. Is that still sure, around somewhere? I'm sure it's floating around. I have <laughs> because like in our old office, there's so much stuff. I'll, I come across, you know, I was, I, you know, I have his boots and I know where they are. I, like certain things, like but and then the office, which is where he used to like. Like, you know, like the, the fourth floor of my parents' house was his. He had like a hangout room. Right. And then attached to that was like a large storage room, but he called it his office. Like he would like cook up his little wrestling schemes back there. And that's where there's all, there's wrestling magazines. There's memorabilia. There's like a, a signed Bob Backlund towel framed. There's like <laughs> uh, a WrestleMania one belt buckle. You just find shit everywhere. So I'm I'm sure there's i I'm sure the, 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 the cape is there somewhere. Cause there's, there's so many, totes and cabinets and freaking it's just it's i'm gonna have to take one a weekend it's gonna take a while to clean that place out but i gotta have to clean that out and organize because there's all like all wrestling stuff all wrestling you know memorabilia and then there's also music like you know like vinyl like tons of you know kiss records and grateful dead records and you know everything he's got he was very like when he was growing up he was very meticulous he like has all these vhs and betamax tapes all labeled and he has like a glossary of where of what's on each tape and right you know he was like a, he, he was a nut about uh about everything wrestling you know so so yeah short answer it's somewhere i, I gotta find it because i find all kind of shit there all the time you yeah, know you told me he had the pile driver uh, the wrestling album pinned up to his uh yeah yeah no, I, I did that <laughs> oh, you I, did I, that I, okay yeah yeah I, I i was looking through all his records and I found the. Oh, you found um, that one, okay. <laughs> Thumbtacked it up there. It's a good steal. It's a good album for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's still looking around too. Like you know what? Like all all his stuff, I never threw any of it away. So it's all in. It's all in the office somewhere. Right. I just got to go in there and find it. You know. Yeah. Now that's very cool. There's also we had a guest on about a month, maybe two months ago. 
a wrestling trading card collector who uh, who unearthed a set in South Africa. Okay, that features every obscure guy from the mid nineties, ninety five WWF era. So Skip and Dean have five and six cards apiece in this yeah. South Africa set. So I know he didn't get much trading card love from the WWF. There's a couple, but this is a legit full release of Skip Body Donna cards. Not Skip and Sonny, Skip alone. Trading cards awesome. out there. So awesome. we got to find that for you. we got to add that to Yeah, you. yeah, for real. I, I got to look. There's a, I have a bunch of trading cards too, but they're like, you know, they're like Bruiser Brody and Junkyard Dog. I got, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of them. But you know, a bunch of action figures. I got, I got, like I said, I got, I got to go through that room and 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 clean it out one day, or clean it up so I can find some more stuff. No, absolutely. Well, look, I I appreciate you coming on. I mean, we've been chatting for months. So hopefully, now it doesn't end that we had you on the uh, the podcast here to uh, keep it going. But I, I really appreciate you sharing what you do with me and, and everything in between. I love the book. I, I love Chris as a performer. Again, talking about him every week on both shows with Francine and Shane is a joy to get to talk about him every time we do. We watch, we just watched him and Lance Storm on uh, Francine. We watched a great uh, fan cam match. Where, oh, yeah, uh, Shane is hurt, and they're at ringside uh, for, for Chris and Lance Storm. It's a great match. Francine hadn't seen it since the night it happened, so love finding that shit. That's awesome, man. I, I And I just... To know that he continues to be talked about means, you know, you know, so much to me and to my fam because that's Chris wrestled because he loved wrestling and he wanted to be remembered, you know. So seeing him remembered is really cool, you know. Really, uh, just makes me happy, as, you know, as his younger brother to get out there and tell the story and, you know, be able to have the book and all that stuff and you know going on podcasts and so I really appreciate it, you know, on, you know, just you know for for me being able to do that for him and. And, and just that he's still relevant and guys are still talking about him, which is really cool. No, without a doubt. So, all right. So tell uh, to all the listeners of uh, New Generation Declassified where they can find the book and where they can find Johnny Candido. All right. Uh, if you want to find Chris's book, you can go to uh, com. That's John Cosper. He, uh, he's Me and him are co-authors. You can find signed uh, copies over there, or you can simply go to Amazon and uh, – just go Chris Candido, no gimmicks needed. You can get it on there. And to find me, you can uh, find me at, I do Twitter, Candido, C-A-N-D-I-D-O, 118, 118, at, uh, what is it? What the hell is my Twitter? Candido, uh, Candido, at Candido. At, at Candido, 118. 118, yeah. I'm not the most tech savvy. So, yeah. Uh, featuring your picture, I just have to interrupt you in your, you know, your wrestling attire. Now, I'm sure... Uh, I've also seen you many times. I did a lot of the NWS National Wrestling Superstars shows. Uh, the Napper <laughs> hung around those shows quite a bit, so I, I probably stood at ringside to watch you on uh, many occasions. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I was going to say my, my wrestling attire was usually board shorts and and uh, you know and then just wrestling boots because I, I remember I woke up one time. I had a I had a match in in Neptune. I was supposed to be on whatever. Or I was supposed to be on at like eight, and I took a nap on my couch, and I woke up at like seven forty-five. I was like, "Oh shit!" So I just ran out of the house in board shorts, <laughs> and then I was like, "I was like, I kind of dig this look," so I just stayed wrestling in board shorts. But yeah, man, it was local. But I appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll get out of here uh, for this week. If anybody wants to follow me, it's at Chad EMB Instagram and Twitter. My website's ibexclusives.com. This website's tmptempire.com. All our podcasts. 
under one roof, including the Triple Threat podcast with the franchise Shane Douglas on the Russo brand every single week. It's the franchise's brand of podcasting and only the way the franchise can, which I bet, Johnny, you can imagine a little unfiltered, might say what's on his mind and ruffle some yeah, I'm feathers. I'm sure he gets a little pissed off about things that are happening in the business right now. I got this picture him. <laughs> just you know. a tad. Yeah. Just just a little bit because they don't listen. That's why. That's yeah. why he has to get upset. Uh, and, of course, with the Queen of Extreme on uh, Eyes Up Here, patreon.com slash Francine Podcast, four shows a week, including our watch-along where we just watched Chris Candido and Lance Storm from, I think it was, it was some town in Pennsylvania, and Francine couldn't remember the, the building for the life of me, and I don't know how. It was a very distinct building, but she said they all looked the same, so... Yeah, I guess after you keep going to building after building. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> but that's it for uh, for the great Johnny Candido. This is your old buddy, the Chadster. We will catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.